There's been a lot of talk about who the Pistons will be interested in in free agency. We've heard a lot about Jeremy Grant. We've heard a lot about Cam Johnson. But is there another free agent that could actually be better than both of them for the Detroit Pistons? We're going to talk about that in today's episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Lockdown Pistons podcast. Per usual, I'm your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter, at Kuka Hill. I want to thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. And if you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel, at Lockdown Pistons. Hit that subscribe button, or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. And today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash NBA and when you enter promo code LockdownNBA, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dog Yeti-style tumbler with every order later on the podcast we'll talk about possible interest in kelly Oubre, why i think he's actually a sneaky good signing for the pistons to make this offseason and then even later in the podcast i gotta talk about the whole conversation around the competition amen thompson has won against we'll talk about that later too but first obviously we're going to talk about a potential free agent i think actually that would be better than the other two guys that we're hearing a lot of rumors about the pistons being interested in And I want to start off with saying that I think Jeremy would fit fine with the Pistons. I think Cam Johnson, who those two guys are the main names we're hearing. I think Cam Johnson, we talked about them on the last podcast. I think he'd fit really well. So it's not that I don't think those guys would be good signings. I really like Cam Johnson. We talked about the the goods and the bad of signing both of them on the last episode. So go check that out if you haven't already. Mostly centered around how much money they'd cost. But a name that I don't feel like is really being mentioned for the Pistons, and maybe it's because he's just not realistic. He's going to probably go back to the team he signed or that he's currently um, has a player option for. So maybe that's why. But a player I really don't understand why people aren't mentioning is Kristaps Porzingis. I feel like Kristaps Porzingis would fit perfectly with what Troy Weaver is trying to build with the two bigs. He would fit perfectly with Jalen Duran. He spaces the floor out. He's an incredible shooter. He's an incredible offensive player, and he's also a fine defender who's really good on weak side rim protection. So they, them two would fit perfectly together. I don't see why there's not more people talking about Kristaps. And, I mean, I guess I know the main reason why people aren't talking about Kristaps as much is because his injury history and the, the way things ended in Dallas has kind of left a, a sour taste in people's mouths, and people you know, have these preconceived opinions of Kristaps Porzingis, and they haven't moved off of them, and the injuries. Injuries are a legit concern with him. He hasn't played over 70 games in a season since his rookie season. So that's the big concern. That's the legit one. However, outside of that, this past season for Kristaps Porzingis, he's played the most games this past season since his second season in the NBA. He played 65 games this past year, which would be enough to qualify him for the All-NBA All-Star, all that kind of stuff, which will be coming in the new CBA. So that's a fine amount of games to pay for. And he also probably had the best season of his career last year in Washington. His raw numbers, 23 points a game, 8.4 rebounds, 2.7 assists, it's 1.5 blocks. He shot 49% from the field, best of his career. He shot 38.5% from the three-point line, his best since his third year in the NBA. He shot 55% on all twos. That's the best he's shot in the in his NBA career. 
And that's just his raw numbers. For those of you guys watching on YouTube, I'm going to bring up his synergy chart. And obviously those on the podcast, listening on the podcast version, I'm going to read them off to you guys. I want you guys to look at these numbers. And tell me these are not numbers that you would want on the Detroit Pistons. Just remove the name Christos Porzingis. Spot up, 61st percentile. Post up, 88th percentile. Pick and roll man, 69th percentile. Cutting, 51st percentile. And transition, 72nd percentile. Miscellaneous plays, 95th percentile. Isolation, 86th percentile. Pick and roll ball handler, 98th percentile. Handoff, 64th percentile. This dude had the best season of his career last year. And if he wasn't on Washington, if he was like on a better team, he probably would be getting considered for an all-star this past season. He was that good this past year. Kristaps was fantastic this past season while maintaining being a good defender. Fantastic this past season. Let's move on to another part of his synergy chart. On all jump shots, all jump shots this past season, 76, 76th percentile. On all catch and shoots, 79th percentile. Unguarded catch and shoot attempts, he was in the 89th percentile. He's one of the best catch and shoot, shoot uh, shooters when guarded in the entire NBA. On hook shots, 98th percentile. Around the rim, 60th percentile. There's nothing that Kristaps literally, there's nothing he can't do offensively. Kristaps is really, really, really good. And this is basically where I'm at with it. Does he fit with Duran? That's like the big thing that people have been, that, that the Pistons seem to be focused on. That and the 3 and D wings. Finding someone that fits next to Duran, that two big lamp that, that, that Weaver's really talked about nonstop. Does he fit with Duran? Yes, he fits like a glove. He would literally be the perfect fit next to Jalen Duran. Provides defense, provides rim protection behind him, and also provides spacing and offensive um, um, creation next to Duran that people have been looking for. He fits perfectly next to Duran. The next question is, or the next reason why I'd go after Kristaps, is because of this. We talked about this on the last episode. You're going to have to overpay for a guy. They're going to have to overpay for Cam Johnson. We talked about it last episode. Maybe they might even get up to $30 million for Cam Johnson just to get him to come to Detroit. You have to overpay for that. Jeremy Grant turned down, what was it, like $27.5 million per year in the regular season. He has a chance to make the max if someone were to offer it to him. I don't think that's going to happen. But if you're going to overpay for Jeremy Grant to get him to leave Portland or go not go to another area to come back to Detroit, you're probably looking at around, like, what, $35 million, $33 million, somewhere around there to overpay and get him to come to Detroit. Like, you're looking at those kind of numbers. If you're going to, and I said this in the last episode, if you're going to overpay for a guy, they better be, like, guys you think can can do more or are, like, near all-stars kind of thing. Like, that's the kind of guy you need to be overpaying for or a guy you believe that can grow into something more. Kristaps, look, the injuries are legit. That's the one thing about him that if that completely scares you away, then I guess I can't really push back against it. But him as a basketball player, mind you, he played the most games this past season that he has at any other point in his career since his rookie year. Had the best season of his career. When he's on the floor, he is a better basketball player by far than Jeremy Grant and Cam Johnson. He's just a better basketball player. His ceiling is an all-star. He is an all-star at his ceiling. That's how good Chris Stops is. So if I'm going to, if you're telling me I have to overpay for one of these guys, I'd rather overpay for the guy whose ceiling is higher. Now, I understand the injury concerns, but I guess I'm willing to roll the dice with his injury concerns because of how good of a player he is and because you're not asking Kristaps when he comes to the Pistons to be the best player on the team. Heck, you probably aren't even asking him, though he may end up being the second best player, you probably aren't asking him to be the second best player on the team either because you got Chris, you got Cade Cunningham, you got Jaden Ivey. 
You're asking him to be the third best player. And again, like I said, he may end up being the second best player, but that's not what you're asking him to do. You're asking him to come play with these guys and have these guys create for him. So you're not asking him to do as much, though he can. He can help carry the load on nights. He can do a lot more with the ball in his hands. He's just a sim- he's simply just a better basketball player than these other guys you'd be overpaying. So in my opinion, if you're going to overpay for somebody, overpay for the dude with the higher ceiling. The guy who's a better basketball player. That's how I feel about it. Again, I get the injury concerns, but dude, Kristaps is legit, man. He is a, he is better than both those guys. And I like Cam Johnson a ton, but he's better than Cam Johnson. He just is. Like, if people want to say Cam Johnson's better than Chris Stops, I'm just going to tell you that you're, there's no way you actually think that. You must just have some kind of bias towards Chris Stops, or you just have talked yourselves way too far into Cam Johnson. Chris Stops is really freaking good. Really good. And he would fit perfectly next to Duran. So if I have to overpay for somebody, I guess I'd rather overpay for Chris Stops. Now, if they would rather not go the overpaying route of one of these guys, which we'll talk about in the second segment by potentially going after a guy like I've mentioned, Kelly Oubre, like I said, we'll talk about that a little later, then I'm, I'm, I, that's the route I've been saying I'd rather them do. But if you're coming up to me and saying, hey, Koo, they're overpaying for a guy. They're going to be paying $30-plus million for someone who probably isn't worth that much. Maybe even up to $33 million, $34 million. Like, that's what they're going to do this offseason. Who would you rather do it for? I, I'd rather do it for Chris Stops than Cam or, or Jamie Grant. Mind you, Chris Stops is the same age as Cam, and Jamie Grant's two years older than both of them. So, like... I'd, if I have to choose one that I'm going to overpay, I'm easily saying Kristaps. I think Kristaps is just a better basketball player, and I'll bet, I'll bet on his health. Like, I'd rather do that. Like, that's, that's what I'm doing with it. So, let me know what you guys think in the comment section down below or over on Twitter, at Kukil. Again, if the injuries are enough to completely scare you off of him, I, that's, I mean, there's nothing I can really push back against that. You have to be willing to take that risk. And for the level of player I think Kristaps is, I'm willing to take that risk, especially off the season he just had, playing the most games since his rookie year. I'm willing to do that. So, I'm willing to do it. If you're not, I get it, I guess. But that's where I'm at with it. Let me know, again, comment section down below or over on Twitter, at Kuka Hill. When we come back, I want to talk about a sneaky free agent signing that I, I feel like I'm one of the only people who really brought him up. And that's Kelly Oubre Jr. I think would be a really good signing for the Pistons. I'll tell you guys why when we come back. But first, I've got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors. This one is eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits just right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part that it will fill. Or you'll get your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply with ebaymotors.com. So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. Um, so look, if the Pistons don't want to go the route of overspending on a Cam Johnson or on a Jeremy Grant or like my X Factor that we just talked about, like a Chris Stops, a wild card, I suppose. If they don't want to overspend like that at the top and they'd rather just get like two guys for around like $14, 15000000 million, somewhere around there, 
One of the guys I think they should be interested in is Kelly Oubre. And I see, I've noticed that I'm in a a camp. I see, uh, uh, like, I'm I'm in the minority here for wanting Kelly Oubre. I really don't get why. Kelly Oubre is a good basketball player. Um, I feel like maybe this past season, because his efficiency dropped a little bit, kind of changed people's tune on him a little bit. Um, But I'm going to provide numbers for why that's, that's not the right way to look at Kelly Oubre. And you'll see what I'm talking about. So let's get into it. So this past season, which... Actually, before we get into his play, I think the reason why I'm interested in Kelly Oubre, I think he'd get around $15 million in free agency. I think that's a fine contract to offer him, a role player. Um, I, that's a good contract. You're not overspending on a guy. I, $15 million is straight. Um, I wouldn't pay like $20-plus million for him, but I think that's where his ballpark would be, around $15 million. That's why I'm cool with him. But now, okay, let's get into his play. This past season for the Charlotte Hornets, which, by the way, he only played 48 games this past season. Um, Charlotte was hit with the injury bug a ton. The season beforehand, he played 76 games. I'm not too concerned about that. Um, he has had some injury seasons, but he's played a lot of games too. I, I, that's not something I'm too concerned about at all with him. Um, but this past season, he averaged 20 points a game, most in his career, but he also took the most shots in his career. He saw, saw his three-point percentage go down a little bit, and he saw his field goal percentage take a step back just a tad. Um, he did see his free throw, uh, attempts a game go up by nearly two free throws a game um so basically the overall point is this past season because the mellow ball got hurt with charlotte he was asked to do a lot more he was asked to have the ball in his hands a little bit more he was asked to carry more of the offensive load which resulted in more counting stats but caused his efficiency to drop a little bit the previous season he had a 56 true shooting percentage which i believe is right around league average um yeah that's league average uh efficiency with true shooting this past season, though, he was at 53.4%. So he fell down a little bit below league average uh, efficiency. But a lot of that was simply due to the fact that he was asked to do more because they had lost Lamella Ball for the year, and he was being asked to do a lot. But even despite that, even even despite um, that happening with Kelly Oubre, this past season, it wasn't like he had a bad season anyways. This past season, 48th percentile in spot up, 53rd percentile in transition, 62nd percentile as a pick and roll ball handler. He did a lot more this year in pick and roll, uh, again, because Lamella was gone. 78th percentile in handoffs. He shot 37% open catch and shoot threes. Um, so he didn't have the best year this past year. His efficiency fell down a little bit, but that's because, again, he was asked to do more. If you go to the previous season, though, where he was playing off of LaMelo Ball when Charlotte actually was a fine team. When he was playing off of LaMelo Ball, he was playing off of a Terry Rozier. He was playing off of these other guys. He was playing off-ball ton. And he was he was playing um, off the gravity and advantages those guys were creating. What's the, what's the similarity there? Oh, the Pistons have K. The Pistons have Jay and Ivy. They need guys who can, can, can thrive off of their gravity and off of their advantages. Let's look at what Kelly Oubre was doing the season prior. Before Lamella Ball was hurt, well, the season before they were uh, before Lamella was hurt, again league average efficiency, um, league average efficiency when it comes to true shooting percentage. He was shot thirty four point five percent from three the season prior, and then let's go through his synergy chart this time. Instead of what was it forty eighth percentile this past season on spot up this that pre- previous season sixty ninth percentile. Then he was 58th percentile in transition, 67th percentile in handoffs, 83rd percentile in cuts to the basket. He, and the other thing about Kelly Oubre is he doesn't ISO a lot. 
this past two seasons, he has a combined 73 possessions in ISO. He's not a guy that's going to ISO a ton. He's going to play off ball a lot. He's going to thrive in transition. He's going to play off of guys. He's going to come off handoffs. He's going to come off screens. He's going to spot up. That's his game. He's going to play off of guys. So he's not a guy you have to worry about soaking up the ball and trying to ISO all the time. That's just not the type of player. He's not an isolation player. And then again, if you go even deeper into the season prior's number, on all catch and shoots, 51st percentile. 51st percentile, my goodness. All jump shots, 61st percentile. At the rim, 76% or 72nd percentile. And then on catch and shoot, um, open catch and shoot threes, 37%. And then on guarded threes, which was the big difference from last year to this year, I feel like, he was at 33 percentile or 33% on guarded threes. So I say all of this to say this. Kelly Oubre, when you ask him to play off of guys, you're not asking him to see his usage rate jump up 4% like it did this past season or 3.5% like it did this past season. When you have him play off of ball handlers and have him just play his role, he's a pretty dynamic player. And when he locks in defensively, he's actually a fine defender too. He has the ability to be a good defender. Now, he doesn't always do it, but when when he's locked in, he can be an impact defender. Also, previous season when LaMelo was healthy with them. He also had shot the mo- the highest percentage he ever shot from two-point range, which was 57.8%, by far a career high. So that's a player, it sounds like to me, I believe could play off of K, that could play off of Jay and Ivy. If you sign Kelly Oubre, I'm not too concerned about his efficiency numbers dropping this past season. I think a lot of that had to do with the fact he had the ball in his hands a lot more and was asked to do stuff that he wouldn't normally be asked to do if LaMelo or Miles Bridges. Like, they had multiple guys the previous season that were soaking up touches and he was playing off of. This past season, he was he didn't have that. If he came and signed with Detroit, that's not something he'd have to worry, off, uh, worry about. He'd be playing off of Cade. He'd be playing off of Ivy. He'd be playing off of Duran. He'd be playing off of Killian Hayes. He'd be playing off of Alec Burks. Like, he'd be playing off of these guys, and he'd just be asked to do his role. And when he plays his role, he's a really damn good player. He's a good player. He's not some all-star. You're probably bringing him off the bench. But he's a good player when you ask him to play within his role. So I think he'd be a good signing for the Pistons um, this offseason. I know some people are out because of this past season. I'm going to tell you guys, look past this past season. This past season was not was not an accurate description of what he actually brings to the table um, as a player. So, And also, he played underneath Monty Williams before in Phoenix. Phoenix was one of his best seasons of his career. The one year he had with Monty, 18 points a game, 45% from the field, 35% from deep, um, 6.4 rebounds a game to go along with it, 51% from two-point range, uh, 4.4 free throws drawn a game, 78% on those. I believe that also was his most efficient year in the NBA. Yeah, 56.0%. Most efficient year he's had to date. Tied with his first season with Charlotte. So, again, good player. If you got him playing off of Cade, off of Ivy, I think he will. He, he does a lot of good things for your basketball team. And he would really fit what the Pistons need off the ball playing off of those guys. But that's just my opinion. And also, at 15 million dollars a year instead of having to pay 30 plus million dollars one of the other guys you can sign somebody else as well that's probably something I'd rather do um I'd rather do this offseason but again that's just my opinion um let me know what you guys think about what I said in the comment section down below or over on twitter at kook hill um when we come back I gotta talk with you guys about something that's really getting on my nerves I had to go out and 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 talk about this and that's the competition that I'm in Thompson 
has faced in the in the questioning of the competition that he's faced. Um, and this is a guy who I don't even believe will be there at five. But just because people are saying there's a chance that he could be there at five, and he's a player that I'm so high on, I got I got to push back on this competition stuff. So we'll talk about that when we come back. But first, I've got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs make you look good. Bird Dog Stretch Khaki Shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg to give you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog Shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. They fit way better than regular shorts that are made of stiff, restricting cotton. Bird Dogs fix this issue by inventing cloud-knit fabric that looks just like khakis, but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice the movement. Bird Dogs uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. That's probably my favorite thing about Bird Dogs. So go to birddogs.com slash LockdownNBA and enter promo code LockdownNBA for a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash LockdownNBA for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off once you get them. I absolutely promise you. Again, go to birddogs.com slash LockdownNBA and enter promo code LockdownNBA for a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order with Bird Dogs. So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. Um, this will be a quick segment. This one, I, I don't want to take too long with it. I'm in Thompson. I've told you guys before. I have him number three on my board this year. I think he has... Arguably just as high of a ceiling than anyone in this draft not named Victor Wembanyama. Amen Thompson, we did a whole episode on him. I'm so high on Amen. I think he's going to be such a good basketball player. And you guys know how high I am on him. I am on him. However, there is enough people. And look, this is strikingly similar to last year when we talked about Shane Sharp on the podcast, and I got told nonstop, well, we didn't see him play against college competition. All we have is tape against this competition that I don't like. So therefore, Shane Sharp sucks. He's a bust, and you want to stay away from him. He's scary. And now look at him. Now Shane Sharp is one of the best rookies from the draft class, intriguing young guy moving forward, and now Portland feels really happy about the fact that he fell to them and they were able to draft him. Okay, so Shane Sharp turns out that his tools and what you saw on film that translates to every level, turns out it actually does translate to every level. But we kind of have the same stuff going on this year with the competition for Amen, and and, and that being a reason why people don't believe in him. So this is what I want to do. It doesn't seem like that a lot of people understand that before the OTE season, Amen Thompson played against overseas competition. And I just want to say this too, before we even get into the overseas competition... Overseas comp is either better or similar to college competition. It's, it's like the same thing when people argue about, like, oh, the G League. They play in the G League, not college. Therefore, I don't like them. G League is full of pros. Those are pros. College is semi-pro. These, the, those, are, those are amateur players. G League are full of people who are trying to make it to the league who are pro basketball players. Same thing with European guys. Those leagues are just as, if not better, most of them are better than college. Some of them, maybe you could argue about it, but like that's good competition overseas. So I don't want to hear that in the comment section, like, oh, overseas isn't the same as college. A lot of those guys overseas come from college and they weren't good enough for the NBA and they go over and play overseas. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't buy that. So anyways, 
back to what I was saying. Before the season, they played six games. Now it is a small sample size, but I mean that's, I mean that's what we have to work with. Against overseas competition, Amen Thompson played six games. Okay, I'm not going to go through and name each team. I'm try. I'm gonna just let you know six games. We're gonna go through all of them because I'm not going to say I can. I know how to pronounce each one of these teams. So game one against Basket Girona, I believe is how you say it. He had 13 points, 5 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 steal, 5 of 8 shooting. Second game, CB Cornella. He had 20 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists, 8 of 11 shooting. Game 3 against Forca Lieta. I believe that's how you say it. I'm trying my hardest. 15 points, 2 rebounds, 3 assists, 5 of 10 shooting. Against Mega, which has had, we talked about this on the podcast in his episodes, has had players like Jokic, Jovic, Boban, like Zubak. All these guys have played through there. He had 18 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists, Five steals, four blocks on four, five of 14 shooting. Next game against Derby Montenegro, he had 19 points, six rebounds, two assists, two steals on A of 11 shooting. Against the Adelaide 36ers, the team that we watched beat the, the Suns in preseason, well, I don't know, I think it was two years ago or maybe a year ago, I, I forget. But this is also the same that the same league that Josh Giddy and LaMelo played in. Amen had 17 points. Eight rebounds, five assists, two steals on six of twelve shooting. So if you take all of those games that he played against overseas comp, that's not some OTE league that people don't like and the competition of the OTE league that they don't like. Against overseas comp, before the OTE league, where Amen and Asar both got better throughout OTE season and improved on things. This was before even that season took place and they were getting better. Before that season, going against overseas comp, this is what Amen Thompson's averages were. 17 points a game, 5.5 rebounds, 3.8 assists, 2 steals a game, 1.5 blocks, on 63 true shooting percentage. He averaged 8, 5.8 free throw attempts during those games, and 74.4% he shot on those free throws. Now, these stats come from Basketball GM, but I also found these stats in the NBA Draft Reddit forum uh, post, so I want to give credit to that. But you can also, I also found these, I found Asars as well on, we're going to talk about Asars maybe in another episode. But I found this, you can find them on basketball.gm, I believe it is, the website. Point being, a man looked really good in OTE competition. The tools that he has in those are things, uh, that he showed in those, are things that translate to every level. His feel, his playmaking, his athleticism. He is going to be the best athlete on whatever floor he touches in the NBA. And People people keep saying he's just an athlete. Oh, you, you just like him because he's a freak athlete. Yes, he's a 99th percentile athlete that also has top-tier playmaking, a good handle, and is a constant pain touch who has incredible feel for the game of basketball. It's not just athleticism. Everyone keeps calling him Hamadou Diallo. Diallo doesn't have those other things. Diallo's a great athlete, but he doesn't have great feel for the game. He doesn't have a great handle. He doesn't have playmaking. He doesn't have good decision-making. He, he doesn't have all that stuff that Amen Thompson has, and that is a different... That is huge difference-makers. A guy who at that, that, that athletic, who has this type of feel, who is as good of a playmaker as he is with his handle, a constant paint touch, that's lethal. It's lethal, and he showed that throughout OTE, and he got better throughout the OTE season. But then people say, you know, OTE isn't good enough. OTE comp sucks. Okay, I don't feel like everyone understands that he also played against overseas comp. No one ever brings that up. It's almost like people don't know, and they probably don't. A lot of people probably don't know that he played against overseas comp before the season because they knew, they heard that people were questioning the comp they were going against and the league they were in, so they went out of the way to do this. They played against overseas comp. 
six games, and Amen Thompson looked just as great against that overseas comp. The exact same things that he flashed throughout his OTE season, he did the exact same things against overseas comp. All the things that everyone loves him loves about him, he did the exact same things against overseas comp. The efficiency was off the charts against overseas comp. The playmaking, the feel, some of the defensive... Dude, this guy had 3.5 stocks a game. Now, again, it's small sample size, but he flashed the defense. He flashed... The playmaking, he flashed the feel, he flashed the finishing, he flashed his athletics, all the stuff that people say that, oh, he, it was only showing because he went OTE, he did the exact same thing against OTE comp. All that stuff still f- jumped off the tape. So look, if you want to be out on Men Thompson because of his three-point shooting, sure, go ahead, I can respect that. Even though I don't, this whole idea that shooting is all that matters in the NBA when getting to the rim and getting paint touches, getting easy looks at the rim and people don't seem to understand that getting to the rim is the most vital point part of basketball because that's how you create three-point looks. So guys who get to the rim are actually just as responsible for three-point shooting on their team because they're creating those looks. That's just as valuable, but I guess people don't understand that. Either way, I can understand I understand the three-point shooting is a serious concern. I don't know if they'll ever come around. That is a fair concern. That's his game, and that is a fair concern. If that scares you enough, you think that's gonna hold them back, I can I I, I don't agree. But I can respect it. That that's I, that's a fair take to have. But the whole competition thing, I it's just I don't agree with it at all. Everything that he showed in OTE, he showed against overseas comp, which is really good competition. Everything that he's good at, everything that people love about him, are translatable skills. Those are translatable skills. Those are not skills that will just leave him all of a sudden. He's going to be the best athlete on whatever floor he's going to touch. He has incredible feel for the game. He's going to be able to... Feel translates. He's a good playmaker. He can read defenses. Like, that's stuff that translates. Being a paint touch against anybody. That's going to translate. So, I just had to come on here and do that. I, I'm, I, I can't... The, the competition argument is just... I can't take it. Because it feels like that anybody... And they... they you heard this, this, this comp stuff... Even going back years to Luca, oh, he played overseas comp. People don't understand that overseas comp is better than college basketball. Just because you can't watch it every night like you do college basketball does not make it worse competition. G League for Scoot, G League for Jalen Green. G League competition are, is full of the best basketball players from college and from overseas that weren't good enough for the NBA. Like, that's better comp than college. Just because guys don't play in college, just because you don't get to watch them every single night, does not mean that the comp that they're going against is 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 pathetic. Now, look, I don't like OTE basketball. The OTE basketball is bad. I agree. But what he shows on tape, the skills that he shows on tape, translate. And, again, the biggest thing for me is, is that he played against this overseas comp, and I don't feel like many people know that. And he was just as good against the overseas comp. So I don't think that's a concern. If there anything is a concern with Amen is whether he can be consistent enough defensively, his three-point shot, obviously, and whether he can create an in-between game to make up for his three-point shooting. Can he get enough of a floater or that in-between game to make up for it? He has nice touch in that area. It makes you think maybe he could, but he has to do that. Those are like some legit things to bring up about Amen. But the competition stuff, when he did the same thing he did in OT against overseas comp, it's just it's empty to me. It's an empty debate for me. It's an empty argument. I don't like it. So... I had to come on here and rage about that, and hey, that's it. I'll leave it there. But as you guys can see, I feel very passionate about Amen Thompson and the whole competition argument. So let me know in the comment section down below or over on Twitter how you guys feel about that. Um, But that's all I've got for you guys today. 
Thank you guys for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. Free and available on your podcast platforms. Hit that subscribe button to the YouTube channel. Leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. And until next time, I'll see you guys later. Stay safe. Enjoy these finals. Until next time, peace out.